previously on the 47th Hours Hall of Fame. This week I am nominating the shapeshifters from a series called Fringe. Doctor Evil is my nomination. Who doesn't love that shh, shh, zip it, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Got a whole bag of shh for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's on Jerry Springer for crying out loud. He's a fantastic <laughs> character. It's a comedy film. I don't even think it gets close to science fiction. There's rockets, there's space, there's time travel. <laughs> Ready Player One. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. You oh, what? You've Steve. not seen it? Oh my god, it's an amazing film. It is. There's... Steve, you've not seen it, you can't vote for it. I can't, I have to vote for Doctor Evil. Well, I'm not voting for Doctor Evil, he's not science fiction. Ready Player One, I can't not vote for Ready Player One. And then I've got to vote for the shapeshifters. Got to stand off. Everybody get their gun out. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, over the next week, watch a trailer for Ready Player One and then let us know in the next episode whether you change your vote. So stay tuned to find out who wins last week's Hall of Fame. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 47th Hour. I'm Toby and I'm joined by my co-host Steve. Hello. And Guy. Hi. Each week we'll take a look at the news, rumours and just have fun whilst discussing all things sci-fi and fantasy. Plus, each of us will nominate items for our halls of fame and shame. If you listened to last week's episode, you'll know that our Hall of Fame vote ended in a three-way tie. Steve submitted the shapeshifters from Fringe, my nomination was Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers movies, and Guy went all out by adding Ready Player One to the mix. To shocked co-host, Steve revealed he had never seen the film and was asked to watch Ready Player One so he could make a fully formed decision with his critical vote. So Steve, the pressure is on. Have you watched it? I have. It was brilliant. And I'm going to have to vote for it because I think that it's was... better than your, your nomination. I'm really sorry. I don't. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in. So we're basically saying Ready Player One won the vote. It did, yeah. yes. What did you love about the film? It's absolutely great. And I was just like, surely they have to make a sequel. I think they are. I think there is. Ready you Player know, Two. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm happy to watch the second one. Definitely. Do you agree about it would be better to see it in the cinema, though? Yes. Just like Avatar, you need to watch that. You need to watch that movie in the cinema for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I loved one of the best parts to me was the whole Shining reference, and when the kids are in the hallway and you're like, they're not going, they're not doing this, they're not doing this is a kids' film. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) It takes a dark twist, but they do it so well. So they do, they do. I agree. Yeah. So, guy, are you happy with his choice? Yes, but I mean, I mean, I will argue quite rightly too. I think it's just one of those standalone films that is just just outstanding. Okay, did you say argue like argue against the fact that he won? That you no, won here, and because of because yeah. of your 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 submission, that's that was my argument. Oh, wow, well, you still hung up on that? Well, because Steve had to vote vote for yours because. <laughs> because he, didn't, he, he hadn't seen mine, so that's that's why I said I'd argue it was better. 
Well, that's why we did the, the whole vote because it was a three way yeah, tie. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you, you I don't think... have to be bitter anymore, guy. Yeah. Well, well I'm always bitter. You <laughs> 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 can stop picking on me now. All right. You can stop with the death threat text that you've been sending all week. <laughs> oh. I know it was you. Oh, I, th- I thought I did that anonymously. Sorry. We've also had a couple of questions this week from our listeners. Um, Ooh, one brilliant. from Angry J Low Three. There's actually more than one Angry J Low. Um, and yep. want... have you seen J Low? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's very angry. Um, they go. want they want to know if we plan on doing any special episodes focusing on a single series. Well, um, I'd like I don't to see why yes. not. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is that there's a reason why I've been steering clear of Marvel stuff, um, because I'd like to think that in future we do a big Marvel themed episode. So, I mean, I, I would like that. We kind of need like Marvel, Doctor Who, th- this type of stuff for sure. Plan them in for the future, definitely. I think Doctor Who, I mean, isn't it the 60th next September, October, whenever it is, it's next year. So we can always do a couple of episodes based on, say, five or six Doctors. And if we do a, 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 take a period from that history and do, say, Matt Smith and discuss the whole thing, but also make sure that our halls of fame and shame are geared around that as well and do, like, the whole thing. I think that's a good idea. Yes. Yeah, mm. I think that's a good idea too. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, yeah. Um, well, we know what's going to be in the Hall of Shame. It's going to be Jodie Whittaker, but <laughs> Not if we're doing a Matt Smith era one. You can't put Jodie Whittaker in. Yeah, we'll put Jodie yeah. Whittaker in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so your vote, your, your vote nomination, sorry, each time is just going to be Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you might win most, Danny. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's some bad episodes and some bad plots in all of the series, but I think as it goes on, it gets worse. But that's for that special episode, isn't it? And the other one is Castiel My Castiel. And they ask if we will be featuring paranormal series such as Supernatural in the show. Well, I mean, X-Files is going to be paranormal. So, yeah, there's been a couple of times when I've been thinking of the likes of Brothers Grimm, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not. Uh, I think Supernatural did a long run, didn't it? So it can't not feature in some point. Yeah, yeah. Steve, sorry. Um, just to shamefully say that I've never seen Supernatural, so I will watch it to be able to comment on it, obviously. You have 18 seasons, I believe, to watch, if you watch it all right. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. It, it, it ran for quite some time. I think in some cases, a lot of people believe it's better than The X-Files as well. Oh, I've interesting. Got, do you know what? Mm, retrospectively, maybe, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that in a little bit. Yeah, so that's two positive questions and two positive answers. Thank you, guys. So now we can turn to what have we been watching? Steve, do you want to go first? Yeah, I have been catching up on Picard. Yeah. Season two. Um, I've watched, I'm fully up together now. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Loving it at the moment. I think... Agnes Girotti as comic relief is probably the wrong thing to do. Um, uh, 
season three but, towards the end, sorry, episode three at the end of it, that's the best performance she's put in to date. Uh, yes, I agree. Um, mm. I'm, do you know, I can't make up my mind on the Bull Queen whether I like her or not. She's got sass. She, yeah, she definitely does. She really delivers well in the final scene with Agnes where she tells her, you've done the most dangerous thing yet. And she says, well, what's that? And she says, mm. you've managed to impress me. Yeah. And the way she delivers that, you're like the chills, the mm. chills, you know, that go down you is when she, when she delivers that final line. You just yeah. think, ooh. Um, and also as well, just to put this out, because I've seen um, a lot of YouTube video clips of the Borg Queen, and everybody that keeps saying the Borg Queen is Picard's mum, I will bear my ass in Selfridge's window if the <laughs> Borg Queen is Picard's mum. Get a grip, okay, I people? Can... So do you have any theories on the Rocky Horror Show thing that happened in the first episode you know the rocky horror borg that just appeared in full outfit and then said that's to him saying, that's that's who they think um picard's mum is yeah and i was like but logically the borg queen knows everything picard knows so the borg queen would say look up you know just because her mum says it his mum says it at the start mm. when he's a little boy look up and then the Borg Queen says, look up. But the Borg Queen would know that because she assimilated Locutus. And she calls him Locutus. She doesn't call him Jean-Luc. Mm. So, you know. She knows it's him definitely intimately. Not... Yeah, it's not his mum. Mm. I just, I can't, I can't even begin. If it's his mum, I'm like, oh my God. I'm going to have to stick my ass in Selfridge's window. Please, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get arrested. <laughs> Repair the window. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think these three episodes have been great. My only disappointment from it is Picard's not doing a lot. I don't know if you've actually noticed this. I don't know whether that's Patrick Stewart, who may be not very well or something. I don't know. But he's not doing a lot. My tiny little frustration with Picard's character is I keep telling you he's old. I'm like, we know he's old, mm. you know? And my one disappointment was that Q didn't call him wrinkles. And I also think Raffi's anger slightly misdirected. Um, and I don't know if that's just to give the actress more to do. I don't know. But I feel like she's blaming Picard a little bit. He doesn't summon Q and say, I want to play your games. Q shows up and clicks his fingers and that's it. Now, there's you know, one it's... bit. I didn't like about that scene when she's saying about how dare he, you know, you and Q and your games. Why yeah. did um, Seven of Nine not say, hang on a minute, I know Q, because Seven of Nine was around in several of those Q episodes, wasn't she? She was, and including Q's son. Yeah. So she yeah. would know what Q is like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But nothing was said. And I was like, I didn't like yeah. that. She could have just backed him up i know supposedly she's in a relationship and all that lot but i well, don't we know we found out that alnor can read <laughs> it's like i've read your autobiography like oh my <laughs> god could you remove your head from his ass please <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not i'm not surprised that that character's gone but i think he'll come back to life at the end of it all so oh no it's going to be a reset like neelix with his holographic lungs <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Guy, have you been watching it or not? No, no, I haven't oh. had a chance, really. Okay, well, we uh, might be talking about some spoilers. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fine. Just not a chance to watch it. That's pretty much it. Uh, between doing the twelve hour shifts and stuff, it's just no time and opportunity. Who do you think is the watcher? Uh, Guinan, definitely. In my opinion, it has to be Guinan. I think it is too. I did speculate it might be like one of the sung that the you know the creator of data and yeah. everything. Not overly sure. I think it has to be Guinan too. And the other question we I have to ask at this point is, what are your theories regards to Q? Something is wrong with Q. What do you think it is? This is going to sound really weird, but he's got that mirror universe look with the goatee. Is, are there Q in the mirror universe? I, I don't know, but that's, that's the only thing I can think about, is that he originally shows up as normal, and then he says, let me catch up, and then he clicks his fingers... And then he's got the goatee. Well, we all know goatees he... are bad. <laughs> but also as well, he yes. um, he Benjamin reels off. I, when he first starts talking to Picard, he, he reels off a, a whole bunch of episode names. And you're like, is he breaking mm. the fourth wall? Is he talking to me? He says, yesterday's mm. Enterprise, In the Mirror Darkly. And these are all names of episodes uh, in the Mirror Darkly being the Enterprise crossover to the Mirror Universe. Yeah, they're all parallel um, universe of, um, episodes that they mention. This is it. And, and he's, he's he's reading off these lists of episodes, and you're like, as he's just talking in riddles, but you're just like, oh my goodness. So is this all, is this something that we were supposed to take in and try and work out what's going on here? Um, did you or did you not catch the Tasha Yar reference as well? I gave a little clap when I caught that. Um... No, remind me. You know when Seven of Nine is looking down at the computer and it says Confederation on the top right-hand side, you can see, yeah. I can't remember if it's uh, Commander um, Tasha Yar is mentioned. I, I got the General Cisco reference, but obviously that one was quite obvious. It's Seven of Nine's husband, mm. um, and he says about um, getting in contact with General Cisco. Oh, I completely missed that. How did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope she doesn't mean Jake. It could be. It could be. God. Well, it's an alternate reality, so I suppose in this reality, Cisco's still going. Oh, my God. Also, the alternate reality as well. You know when they go into the room with all these skulls? Yeah. And then like Q, says, Q says, and this is General Martok's skull, and you beat him in hand-to-hand combat. I'm like, no way. What, did General Martok <laughs> not have any hands? How does, how does old... Golden Oldie Picard beat General Martok in anything like that. Uh, we don't like... know when. We don't know when he did that, do we? Well, I'm pretty sure General Martok had no arms when he was fighting Picard. They, they don't specify that. Maybe he was an infant, <laughs> <laughs> and Picard just beat up some kids. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I did think that hall was a bit too family friendly, though. To make, I would have liked it to have been a bit more graphic, but obviously you can't do that. I just think it's <laughs> fun. Well, I like yeah. the um, they had the Ferengi skull, and then they had the scepter that um, Grand Nagus carries right next to it. Yeah. So I I, they, I like that. They have conquered all. They're worse than the Borg. You know, I love the fact that they've taken out the Borg, and there's one Borg left, and you've got Eradication Day. I think it's it's dark. It's grey. You know, in itself. I, I love that, but the one thing that bothered me was they were fighting Vulcans. You know when um, Christopher is fighting off the Vulcans and you're like, well, you beat the Borg, however you're not taking care of the Vulcans yet. 
I know. The Vulcans uh, would be on the uh, way to taking out the ball, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we um, did like I did like the fact that Picard wanted the title Borg Slayer. I was like, I'm sure Janeway would have put up a thing about that. <laughs> Borg Slayer. <laughs> it sounds like something you'd get in a, as a microtransaction download, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, anything else, Guy? Well, I've been watching a DC series on Prime Video. Um, it's uh, called Star Girl. Oh, that's... what do you oh. think of that? I'm a big fan of the comedy sitcom community, so much so that I started looking for things that Joe McHale was in because I, I, yeah. I like Joe McHale, I like, like the actor. Um, and then when I found out that he was going to be a part of a, a DC series, I'm like, oh my God. And he said, that said he was going to play Starman. I was like, wow, that's a big role because Starman's a big comic hero. But the series is going to be based around Stargirl. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a watch. And it, it doesn't feature in it as much as I'd like, but I watched the first two seasons and I actually rather enjoyed it. It's very tongue-in-cheek in places and you've got, you got to kind of take liberties in certain spots, but it's actually really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah I, I've watched, um, I've only watched three or four episodes, but I'm going to carry on. Um, I think Brett Bassinger, Basinger, however you want to pronounce it, she's brilliant. I, and I like the fact the, the athletic stunts and yeah, I, 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 I really, really enjoyed it. And they've renewed it for a third season. So mm. yeah, yeah, I'm really rather enjoying it. So Steve, you watched a few episodes. You like it as well, yeah? Yes, I do. Yeah, what, I'll carry what, on watching it. I've just forgotten to keep on watching. What What do you think it is that makes you like this show over Batwoman? I don't know how CW got. Batwoman so wrong because they they are usually so good. You you know you got your things like the Flash and stuff like that. It's all brilliant. I I don't know. I think it's just the writers. This is nothing. You know this is nothing like Batwoman at all. Mm. Um and you know generally they kind of rotate the writers round, don't they? Really, whoever got in charge of Batwoman didn't have the right vision for the show. Whereas I think all the other shows on the CW have worked to some extent. Um, I don't really like the Vampire Diaries. That's not really my thing. But even that as a series went on for ages because it still had the intrigue and mm -hmm. was written well enough for other people to like it. Even though it's not my thing, it still did. Was it eight seasons of spin-off? I had two spin-offs, one called The Originals and the other one I can't remember what it is, but it's about some children from the show. Um, I had to watch it because of my sister who was like... Mm. 10 12 at the time oh, thing is you terrible. get you get addicted to the soapy dramaness of it all yes that's what yeah. draws you in and you go oh i wonder if that person does this and the one thing i will say about the vampire diaries is they tend not to stick around on a storyline for too long <laughs> they're oh, like well we're done they, with that move this, on it was yeah, all my children it. with vampires that was pretty much it <laughs> yeah yeah but oh. i still say even though it wasn't for me they still wrote it well enough for it to go eight seasons and produce mm. spin-offs. There you go. You know, they, they, they had they had their they had their formula, they followed it, then they had the flash, you know, and, and these shows worked. And yet for Batwoman, I don't know what went wrong. I honestly mm. don't know. You just would have thought the CW would have been able to save it or do something with it, but they couldn't. The the only uh, thing I would change about Stargirl right now 
is Luke Wilson. And he doesn't come across as the parental figure. I mean, I know he's not technically her dad, but for me, somebody with uh, a little bit more range would have been better. Yeah, I mean, I've seen all of season one and about three or four episodes of season two, and I love it. I think it's a great show. And there's a weird... There's something about it that reminds me of those early days of watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's just something about it that clicks, and it, it all just gels together nicely that you're like yes i want to watch the next episode you don't yeah, dread yeah, it yeah. You know? absolutely yeah i get i get that i mm. i even like some like the emergence of her support group I, I mm. like the fact that they've the way that they chimed it in i've really um enjoyed it even even lou ferrigno jr's in it and you know he's, he's doing a great great mm. a great great job um we've talked about the vampire diaries a minute ago and the guy who played stefan is paul wesley uh, Paramount have announced that he's going to be play, playing Kirk in season two of Strange New Worlds. Wow. Um, I'm personally not necessarily a fan of that casting choice, but I'll, I'm happy to wait and see. But I'm very worried now that season two of this new show will be overtaken by Kirk's presence. And that's not what I would like to see. Yeah, I kind of oh. agree. It's a big character to, to, to put Kirk in the background. The thing is, is with, with Kirk, it's just that he's attention stealing. The focus is always going to be around Kirk. William Shatner may didn't matter if it was a uh, an Uhura or um, a Scotty episode. It all came out back back to Kirk um, because it was essentially his his series. Um, he was the star. Yeah. yeah, this is it. He was yeah. he was the pull, and when they did the new movies with uh, with Chris Pine and all that, it still became a Kirk show. I don't mind if it's like a one or a two part special, yeah, with him in it, work. and they just come across the ship or something like that. But if it's a in the background for multiple episodes or a whole season story, I just think it would be very disappointing to see because I'm over Kirk. I'm done with Kirk. We've seen everything we need to see. Move on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I agree. I hope. Um, I um, hope also it's maybe a one or a two part episode. Maybe that's it. So done with Kirk, you'd rather drive your eye into a spike than watch any more Kirk. <laughs> okay, if you want to do that, guy, feel free. But oh, I wouldn't recommend just, it. Just, I think they've done Kirk to, <laughs> yeah. to the end now. Yeah. There's more in the Star. You've got a whole galaxy of Star Trek, a whole universe that you can do. And what you're going to do, Kirk again. And there's one other piece of news that I found, which is that they're doing a spin-off of the Spider-Man film, and it's a live-action one with Dakota Johnson playing Cassandra Webb, and it's called Madame Webb. Are any of you aware of that character no. from the comic books? No. No, she's been in it for like 40-odd years, and she's this clairvoyant, and she's basically like paralyzed, and she's got this big apparatus that looks like a web that keeps her alive. I just, I'm not sure if I can see how that's going to work. But... Oh, God, let's hope so, it's better than the Bionic Woman. So it's going to be Mystic Meg <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in a Spider-Man costume. Uh, no, sorry, I signed up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't say I'm in a rush to see it, but I'm open. I'm open to new ideas. I mean, the worst one for me was when I heard about the cast casting of Catherine Tate as Donna Noble I just thought yeah. Doctor Who's finished I was like she that is it she taught me a lesson about you know wait until you actually see what's on screen before you comment
And now for our halls of fame and shame, where each week we get to nominate anything from science fiction or fantasy that we believe should be preserved forever in our hall of fame or burnt for eternity in the hall of shame. This could be an item, a character, a storyline or a series. Anything goes. Guy, as you won last week's vote with Ready Player One, you get to nominate first. I was grasping at straws until I remember a conversation we had recently from one of the previous episodes, and it sparked a memory for me. So my entry is a character from Xena, Gabrielle. The reason why I haven't picked Xena, (laughs) because... (laughs) (laughs) because that would be I think that'd be too on the nose and a bit too easy if I'm honest but Gabrielle plays the support role so brilliantly when you think from the way she was introduced as like the support structure for Xena almost like a companion and and then you know she's about as useful as a chocolate teapot in the beginning isn't she she is (laughs) she starts becoming a plot device where she's almost like the damsel in distress and Zena always has to save her but she starts training with her amazon buying staff and becomes fairly useful towards the end Zena didn't really have a feminine side she was more the hence the warrior princess but i think that's probably why gabrielle was there to have the kind of softer side and i think renee o'connor played it brilliantly and again, one of those characters that had a such a, a contrasting story arc from the beginning to the end of Xena. And for me, probably one of the best support characters in fantasy TV series going. Yeah, I have to agree. I think I, that what I loved about Xena is that it never took itself seriously like that anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love I love Gabrielle's character. I think she's brilliant. I love the whole series. She becomes really strong towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Probably why she sparked my memory of, of just uh, how good a character she was actually in, in that support group. So, yeah, Gabby's Gabby's my my pitch for the Hall of Fame. Very good pitch indeed. Yeah, I like it. I agree. Um, Steve? My nomination this week for the Hall of Fame is also a character. Probably not as strong as Guy's, but it is Sydney Bristow. From the moment you see her, automatically she's a great character. She's really smart. In fact, I think the drawback to Sydney is that they made her so smart and yet she had no idea what she was doing in the beginning. You know, this is someone that can speak 30 plus languages, but didn't really realise that the SD6 that she was reporting to actually wasn't part of the CIA. What what do they do Mm. on that, Toby? They do a couple of seasons? Halfway through season two, they kind of revamped it. But she knew in the pilot episode that SD6 was bad. So she was actually a triple agent at the beginning of the pilot episode. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. That's right. God, I could remember now because I haven't seen it for so long, but I thought I would put her in because I liked her character. Mm. Um, and I think apart from season five, where it got a bit wonky, I absolutely loved Alias. The only downside to Sydney Bristow is her weakness is her friends and her family. She will not sacrifice them, which is a strength in itself, but yeah. it means that people can manipulate her and use that to their advantage. Whereas I think Gabrielle would happily rip out Jock's disciples if it meant that it would save Nina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I agree. <laughs> I'm going all out because you took the mickey out of me last week. And it's Living Witness from Star Trek Voyager. Oh my so goodness. We all know, not a standard episode of Star Trek. It kind of takes an inaccurate historical look at the events on a planet a long time ago. But we have 
some fantastic scenes and you know the cast thoroughly enjoyed this whole show you've got that interrogation and torture scene love it you've got Chakotay's gigantic tattoo that in itself could be worthy of a nomination (laughs) Uh, the board collective that one line where Jamie's like They've left me no choice. You know, activate the Borg. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, just amazing, isn't it? The whole Seriously, that, the, that you're getting that quote, oh, and I'm going to tell you now, when diplomacy fails... Guy, three of a list of three. Yeah. I've got loads to go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, you don't need to argue harder here. I think the thing is, is Gabrielle and, and Sydney are ph- ph- phenomenal characters. They are. But the Living Witness episode is just... Standalone, absolutely bottom line, fantastically written yeah. episode. Um, I mean, it is so out there. It's unbelievable yeah, when you watch just, it. You don't even believe you're watching it. There's a few Doctor episodes. I'm, I'm a bit sort of like, oh god, the Doctor's having this whole crisis of his identity stuff again. But this brilliant Doctor episode, mm. absolutely brilliant. Living Witness is one of my favourite all time episodes. Directed by Tim Russ. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Russ was the director on that one. Wow. I mean, I consider it as Voyager's chance to do a Mirror Universe episode because they didn't do one. Yeah. And that's odd that they didn't do a Mirror Universe one too because Janeway is definitely in the Mirror Universe because they've... um, I know the books aren't canon, Mm. but she's in three books. Marshall, Um, isn't it? Or something like that? I do not. I can't remember. No, I've read... I read them too, and I can't really remember now what the outcome of it all was. It wasn't specifically about Janeway, but she was there in the universe, and they were mentioning her. Um, it was more about Kira and Deanna and Worf. There was a like a three-way thing going as they struggled to survive her power. I um, can't remember even the name of the book now, but Janeway is definitely in the Mirror Universe. I don't know why they didn't do a Mirror Universe one with the Voyager crew. Maybe because DS9 was doing a lot of them. And they felt that that was DS9's kind of remit and just leave it there. Yeah, you, yeah, you forget DS9, DS9 was on at the same time as Voyager, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, same time. Yeah. Two seasons behind, but still ran concurrently, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Well, that's why we didn't see the Borg in DS9. I think you they would have had one or two episodes on DS9 had Voyager not been on air. You, you could not, could you? You'd have to do something. I'd love to see the yeah. Borg trying to assimilate the founders. That would have been fun. So we've got our three nominations, Gabrielle from Xena, we have Sydney Bristow from Alias, and we have Living Witness, an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Guy, would you like to vote first? Yeah, massive fan of Alias. One of my bugbears with, with Sydney is, just, as you say, your friends and Michael Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think Living Witness is just... I, I, I'd happily watch it two or three times. Now, like when at the end of the podcast, I could quite happily put it on and not get bored. Just brilliant. Got a vote for it. Um, I'm going to go for, oh, as great as I think Sydney Bristow is, I am going to lean towards Gabrielle from Xena just because I think she's overall a darker character. She's got more interest with her, intrigue behind her. And I think there's more things that let Sydney Bristow down. She has more weaknesses that I can think of. Um, so I'm going to go with Gabrielle from Xena, even though I prefer Alias as a TV show. And Steve? Um, I have to go with Living Witness. I, um, because, I don't know, I must have watched it like 10 times when it first came out. <laughs> <laughs> Janeway was amazing in it. Absolutely amazing. I can't, I can't bolt it. It's, a, it's an, a phenomenal episode. 
that um, I definitely can't vote against it. That's for Even sure. The doctor so as an android, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it's one of those episodes where there is nothing I would change about that episode. It has no weakness at all. No, no. I I really liked it. No, no, I wouldn't change anything about it at all. And yeah, and even Naomi Wildman's not in it. Like I said, nothing I would change. (laughs) (laughs) William. So I win the vote with Living Witness. And now on to our Hall of Shame. Last week we entered Steve's nomination, the Fox series Terra Nova, into our Hall of Shame. So... This week, Steve, you get to nominate first. Okay, this isn't great, so I'm really sorry. I am nominating the film plot for Armageddon, and it's kind of... Do you mean Armageddon or Deep Impact? No, Armageddon, or Deep Impact is terrible too. It's exactly the same plot line. I want to go with Armageddon because... It's the whole reasoning behind it. It's just it's just so Hollywood. It's like we've got a hundred million dollars, so we're gonna have this, this, and this, and there'll be space and there'll be an asteroid and blah blah blah. Now, the biggest flaw about Armageddon is that they go out and find they obviously know they've got this big asteroid coming towards the earth, and so they need to blow it to bits. So what they do is they go out and find oil drill workers. No, no. You already have engineers at NASA. They have an engineer background. You have to have it. Why don't you just train them to drill? Instead, you're going to go and get some oil drillers and then train them to be astronauts? The whole thing doesn't make sense. You wouldn't go and get oil drillers. You just teach your NASA trained people already how to drill. It's as simple as that. The whole film's wrong in that in that sense. There's no way you would go and get oil drillers and send them up into space. They wouldn't do it. They would just send your ordinary NASA engineers and they would do it. You would train them to drill. So the whole thing is wrong right from the start. So, yeah, so that's my nomination. The whole plot line to the Armageddon film. So you've seen the film Armageddon, yeah? Yep. And out of all the things in that film, you're deciding on the plot line as your thing to put into the whole Wait, show. wait, wait. Let, let, let him have it, because I'm going to shoot it down in flames in a, <laughs> in, in, when, it, when it comes to making the decision. Because he, he's missed a really key feature of why he should oh. have nominated that. There you go. Oh, okay. okay. So, so okay. Guy, Guy, what's your nomination then? It's a DC film called The Green Lantern. Um, Ryan Reynolds has quite publicly said it's, it's his worst film in his entire mm-hmm. career. And believe me, he's got some bad ones. It received Razzie nominations. It is one of the biggest box office bombs for years. The CGI mask alone, laughable. The, the plot was just ridiculous. The overuse of the CGI in ne- almost nearly every scene was just absolutely diabolical an absolute travesty from beginning to finish it was an awful awful film and that is my entry um yeah i've seen the film it's not as bad as some people make out but it ain't great it really isn't good the problem with the green lantern is they gave them too much money yeah um 
I think I had it like a 200 million budget and wow, you had a 200 million budget and this is all you could produce. <laughs> you know, it, it only made like 210 million complete. You know, you could tell that that was the beginning and the end. And I agree that the Green Lantern is probably a better nomination than mine for sure. Uh, yeah, Ryan couldn't even save the film. You know, nowadays no. you can put Ryan in a film and he has a chance of kind of pulling it together and being a saving point. But yeah. no, he just didn't. And he rightfully slates his film. And in Deadpool, when he's being tortured and they're saying, don't make the, grit, the um, suit animated. I was just, yeah. I love that. I love that yeah. line. Everybody mm. knows what he's on about. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Good one, guy. Good nomination. My nomination for this week is a TV show that was on ABC for 13 episodes called Kingdom Hospital. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a Stephen King thing. Lots of strange occurrences like ghosts and victims of the original fire that come back to haunt people. And also a random giant anteater that's protecting this girl. Oh, literally. It is slow. It is boring. It could have been great. It really could have concentrated on fun things, but just... It's, it's diabolical. Was it cool? I was not... going to say, nothing you have said makes me even want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't it... care for any of the doctors, any of the characters, any of the ghosts or the little boy. Nothing do you care about. The horrors, the scares, they all fall flat. It's just a bad, bad, bad show. Shame on Stephen King. It's called Kingdom Hospital. It sounds awful. Pretty much like Mercy Point. Yeah, that, that was, was a sci- that was a sci-fi hospital show too, and that was awful. Are you there, guy? Yeah, yeah. Hospital. I don't remember it. I'm just trying to think if if it was based on one of Stephen King's books or something. No, it's based on a book by somebody else. I can't remember his name right now. Mm. Um, it's like a paranormal show, if you will. There's ghosts in there. You're not sure if some of the doctors are real or not. You know, they're kind of playing on all of that, um, and the fact it was built on this site of this military hospital that had burnt down. They could have had some real fun with this show. They could have had, you know, someone walks into a ward in 1940s and they're stuck in there and how are they going to get out? Time travel. All of these things could have come into play, but they did nothing. The show was slow. The show was boring. The show was shameful. <laughs> it really was bad. I'm a big fan of Stephen King and because I, I like his writing, but I... I didn't realise he developed a, a TV series. Um, there you but... go. It's that bad that you chose to remove it from your memory, Guy. That's how bad <laughs> this show is. Yeah. Well, Steve, you managed to pick out the not the worst thing in, in Armageddon. <laughs> the worst thing in Armageddon is Ben Affleck. Um, I don't even know how uh... you missed that. Um, I was going to say uh, Liv Tyler, but... <laughs> well, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck, both terrible. Um, but yeah, Ben Affleck is the worst thing in that film, not the plot line. The plot line's unbelievable, admittedly, and Deep Impact runs the exact same plot line. Yeah, not the worst thing in that film. Definitely Ben Affleck. So, sorry, Steve, I'm not, not voting okay. for that. <laughs> so, okay. Toby, you get my vote. <laughs> Brilliant. You've not even seen by, it. By, by default, yeah, because by default, because Ben Affleck is the worst thing in that film. Not, 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 not the plot line. <laughs> not even science fiction, um, but here you go. And then Steve, your vote. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give my vote to the Green Lantern because I feel like yeah. when you get given two hundred million, yeah. okay. I mean, maybe maybe Stephen King was only given a tiny budget. I don't know how much he was given, but when you get two hundred million US dollars to make something, you have to make something better than the Green Lantern. 
I mean, even the mask, they couldn't get the mask right. Come on. So, yeah, I'm voting for the Green Lantern. Uh, yes, I think that's going to get my vote too, purely because it should have done better. It, there's yeah, no excuse. There's no excuse. And now for our movie showcase of the week. Steve, last week you chose Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the 1992 fantasy movie. Why did you choose this? I chose this because this was the first vampire film that I really gave any interest. I've seen the film before I've seen the series, because if I'd done it the other way around, I probably would have not liked the film at all. But because I watched the film first, I had a really good idea of what to expect when I very first sat down to watch the first episode of Buffy. The film has got what I would call an all-star cast. And I'll read out some of the stars of the film because you'll be surprised. The film stars Seth Green, Ricky Lake, Ben yeah. Affleck, okay, David Arquette, Hilary Swank, Paul Rubens, Donald Sutherland, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry, and Christy Swanson. That is a massive cast. Mm. All right, Ricky Lake was... She was a bar woman, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, yeah. yeah. And Ben Affleck was playing basketball in the background, so (laughs) that was his big break. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, what got me here was that Seth Green was a vampire, Mm. but didn't show up as a vampire in the real series. In fact, even Buffy's mum in this is from um, American Graffiti. She's an Oscar-nominated actress. So it was... um, In fact, everybody that was in this went on to do really well. I mean, I never even heard of Stephen Root, but he's played high school principal. He went on Mm. to West Wing, Fringe, Star Trek TNG. In fact, he would have done TNG before he did the film, obviously, I would have thought. Everyone's gone on to do really well from this. Now, what I didn't know was that when Joss wrote it, he was trying to get it picked up. And Sand Dollar, the film production company, bought the film from him. Mm. And he put the clause in that if they made the film, that he would come come in as an advisory role. Now, Sand Dollar belongs to Dolly Parton. Okay? okay. So when they first started casting the film, she wanted Luke Perry to be in it. But he had four or five weeks before he was due on set in Beverly Hills 90210. And so Sandoller said, let's make the film in five weeks. And it was like they were in the office with all the producers and they took a thousand dollars out of the suitcase and threw it in the air and went, how about it? Go for it. Right. And then just walked out whilst all these people were scrabbling around to pick up the thousand dollars because this was their budget. This is really mean of me saying it's a thousand dollars, but the film looked really bad. (laughs) Yeah, I was re-watching it and I was just like, oh my God, this film had a 7 million budget and it just looks awful. Yeah. And I come to the conclusion that they paid Donald Sutherland 6.9 million of the budget. <laughs> because... Doesn't because... he... Yeah, doesn't he actually kind of um, do the typical evil Tash twirl at one point as well with his little fingers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Donald yeah, Sutherland that. was a complete nightmare on the set. Josh Whedon said that he was extremely hard to get along with. For example, when they come to doing a, a certain scene, Josh would say, cut, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted for this. And then Donald Sutherland would say, well, I said my lines. 
And then um, Joss would say, no, no, your lines are. And then Donald would show him the amended version where he'd rewritten his own lines. <laughs> and, and in the end, it led to like Joss Whedon saying, look, we either do what I want or I go. And because mm. Donald Sutherland was the big main person in the film, they let Joss Whedon go. Wow. Yeah. And so what began then was the Hollywood execs came in, they took his humour out. Mm. He had a couple of dark moments for the Watcher and the Slayer. They never happened because they thought it was too dark. And it's a big, massive what if this film could have been like totally amazing mm. had he not walked out. The acting is fine, but the effects are mm. really bad. Steve, the acting no, is not fine. That vampire, when he dies behind Buffy and he's tapping his foot on the floor and getting up and getting down. <laughs> oh, God's sake. It's not that. I didn't think it was that bad. I was just like, oh, well, you know. But the um, thing is, Christy Swanson's actually not bad in the role. When I was watching it the other day, I was like, she's actually pretty good. If anyone is. else around her had upped their game and done what they were supposed to be doing... She would have yeah. been in a solid movie. Yeah, yeah she would have. Yeah, the, the reason why I called him the evil watcher, because essentially I, I, I already knew about Donald Sutherland's sort of bad behaviour on the set. Mm. I tell you he's right. Everyone needed to up their game because Christy Swanson was actually rather good in the role. Um, she was. This is what Joss Whedon said. On Merrick's dialogue in the film, it is disjointed and unintelligible. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really like Hilary Swank because I don't think she lent herself well to. Um... Did you say Hilary Swank? Yeah. Okay, I'm just checking. What do you think I said? <laughs> Something else. Okay. okay. Either you, guy, either you did that on purpose or it cut out at the most inconvenient time. Sorry, <laughs> 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 no, I said um... Hilary Swank. Um. I didn't really think she'd learn stuff like Also, um, David Arquette's in this as well. Yeah. Don't really like him either. But Donald Sutherland pulls a lot of the attention for no real reason. Um, yeah. Paul Rubens is quite good in it, but uh, yeah. Did you watch the Buffy film first, or did you watch the series first? Well, we... <laughs> I, I know I watched the Buffy film first, because we had it on VHS, and us being yes, brothers right. and all... <laughs> yeah, we kind of watched it together. It was one of those things. If I'd watched the series first and then gone back to the film, I would have been really disappointed. Oh, absolutely. The fact, that, the fact that I watched the film first and then watched the series was like, wow, the series is amazing because it's so yeah. much better than the film. When you think the series was only, what, five, six years later? And the difference in production values and attention to detail, absolutely amazing. And that was on the equivalent, what was that on? The WB, wasn't it, when it came out? Yes. Which is like the modern version of, sorry, CW. I think they merged to be the CW. Um, to get that within five years, that difference just shows you how bad the, this movie from Hollywood was. I, th I think what, what I like as well is that Joss didn't completely write it off. He kept plenty of the movie in the series. You know, mm. Buffy burning the high, the high school gym down. That was in there. That, that, was, that followed her. When she moved, Pike showed up in the series. The movie didn't completely die. There was a lot of stuff 
that happened in the movie that went went into the series too. I, I liked that. The good thing about this film, it gave Joss a fantastic attempt, a, a, almost like a pilot version of the show. And he knew yeah. exactly where it had gone wrong. And it wasn't his fault. He knew what had happened. He knew how to deal with cast. He knew how to deal with crew, producers, all of that kind of stuff. He learned his lesson. So when it came to the TV show, he hit the ground running. Yeah. And now for our TV showcase of the week. Guy, last week you selected the X-Files for discussion. Tell us why you chose this show. Mark Snow, who created that theme tune, just it's iconic, isn't it? When you hear those four notes, it's just one of those things that you're like, ah, X-Files. You don't need to know much more about the tune. It's just one of the iconic sort of theme tunes from the era. The reason I picked X-Files is because it hasn't really had exposure or a rerun to modern audiences. So I remember watching it the first time round, and I absolutely loved the first seven seasons. And I really, really enjoyed it. And, and that's and that's kind of the reason why I, I want to, want to talk about it. Okay, well, talk about it then. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, Fox Mulder, Dana Scully, two FBI agents. One, Fox Mulder is a conspiracy theorist, and Dana Scully is assigned to Fox Mulder's specialist area of, of investigation, which is essentially the paranormal. Mulder, played by... David Duchovny. He left at the end of season seven, which annoyed me that he left, especially the way that he did. I mean, I told you, I know you watched the X Files. See, did you watch the X Files? Um, no, I did watch a lot of standalone episodes. I didn't really. I can comment on it extensively, as I will in a bit, but I didn't watch it all, sort of like every single episode all the way through. So, um, I'll ask questions about it when you finish talking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so. At the end of season seven, Fox Mulder gets abducted by aliens, and that is the explanation for him being written out of the, of the, of the next season. Yeah, the first seven seasons, I think, I think were absolutely brilliant. They played around with lots of different things. Um, so, totally. Guy, what was your favourite episode from those early seasons? Um, squeeze. Yeah. Um, because it was your sort of first delve into something that was really paranormal was this tombs fella and so the way he would stretch out his arm and, and it, it kind of gave you nightmares the way that they did it and it was just like in you know it didn't matter what kind of hole or, or sort of vent he, he would be able to go go through anything and it was yeah absolutely brilliantly done my least favorite episode also in season one was a uh, an episode called Roland. Um, yeah. It, was, it hasn't dated well because of the theme of, of the episode. Yeah, I'd, I'd also, the the dynamic between the two main characters is, is something that we can touch upon. But I, did, Toby, did you have any favourite episodes? I definitely think Squeeze, it's like season one, episode three, is fantastic. The guy who plays Eugene Toombs does a wonderful job and it is a mm. very good showcase of what the show could be and the fact that yeah. later on at the end of the season they go back to it as a sequel which i think was always the plan always the plan mm. is br absolutely brilliant those two episodes work together i think yeah. you when we get back in the day you could buy the vhs sets of x-files and some yeah. of these episodes were all tied together so you could buy squeeze and tombs as like a two-part um episode just brilliant 
Again, you've got ice, which is the one set in the Antarctic with the prehistoric worm things. Yeah, very yeah. much like the Thing film, but brilliantly done. Another one I love, I absolutely love, is Home. That's a couple oh, of seasons in, yeah, and that is yeah. dark. And I'm surprised that was allowed on television. I still I th- I, gives me I shivers. Think- they really did push a lot of barriers and a lot of controversial stuff. Now, even now, there was an episode where there was a series of murders and they they, they couldn't figure out the DNA was whether it was a man or a woman, and they figured out mm. it was both because of the of the, the nature of the, of the actual episode. So yeah. you know, the fact is that they touch on that kind of thing back then was it was just yeah. I would say what what drew me really to to watch X-Files, and I didn't watch a lot of it, but I did watch, like I said, a lot of standalone episodes, was the way they wrote the primary villain really intrigued me. Um, So much so, I would sometimes look for his scenes. Cigarette smoking man. Yes, yeah. yeah. I just felt that perhaps they carried it on for a little bit too long. I think, to tell you what, Steve, you're right. Great villain, however... Two things really, really annoyed me about the cigarette smoking man. One, the suggestion that he was Fox Mulder's dad. Ridiculous. Yeah. No, no, don't even go there. And then two, the whole cry check thing. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think one prime villain like that does well over five seasons with one prime villain. I think that's probably enough. But. The cigarette smoking man was still in like 10 and 11, I think. And you just would have thought the cigarettes would have killed him by then, surely. <laughs> <laughs> For me, there's, it wasn't the fact that they would just do these dark episodes like Ice and Squeeze, The Host, you know, the scary monsters. The X-Files also embraced, like it had the time to do humour. Like have you seen the X-Cops episode? Yeah, the X Files yeah, guy. Yeah, brilliant, Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. The whole brilliant. thing is done in the style of an episode of Cops. Yeah. And it's really ah. funny, Mulder and, Mulder and Scully get caught out and about trying to chase a werewolf, or what they suspect is a werewolf, but they encounter the crew from Cops, and they're filming it all, and it is yeah. just so funny. And um, another really good shout-out for me has to be the episode Triangle. That's the one where they um, discover the British luxury liner oh, that disappeared yeah. in 1939. It's reappeared in the Bermuda Triangle, and yeah. Mulder gets stuck on it, and it's been invaded by Nazis. And his reaction and how he yeah. deals with that, but it's all filmed in like um, what do they call them? Those really long time shots, you know, where they do all in one shot. I know what you mean because they do they yeah. do it in West Wing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's these long shots where they go in through multiple corridors into multiple rooms, all in one go. Yeah. I mean, they do some very clever splicing techniques, so it's not a hundred percent legitimate, but the whole style of it is just brilliant. And I love that the X Files takes took those risks. You just mm. don't get that nowadays in a lot of television. Um, no. Steve, yeah. what are your good, like, fond memories of the X-Files? Now, there was one episode, I think, in season five. You were asking me to name it, and I, I can't. No, but it was, no. hilar- it was hilarious. It was absolutely brilliant. It, it just made me laugh. Um, I'm trying, trying to think now. I think it was called Bad Blood. Do you remember about oh, is, that vamp- is that the vampire one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah that that i think I, it is it is but it it yes um it's the vampire episode is that is it and it just made me laugh so much mm. that um i think that's probably one of my one of my favorite episodes actually you didn't like the whole mythology like around deep throat and all the government conspiracies or did that not really make you tune in was it more for these standalone episodes that you were um this is the thing i'd watch it on tv when it was on i, I wouldn't actually think oh x-files is on now i'm gonna sit down and watch it if i was watching tv and i flicked over and then x-files was on i'd leave it on x-files so i would watch it i'd say i've probably watched a lot more of the earlier stuff than i have the later stuff i, d- I didn't like robert patrick who played doggett um annabelle gish did a fairly good job with monica reyes didn't really like the introduction of the character john doggett and monica reyes they actually are great characters in their own right unfortunately (sighs) they have to come in the shadow of dana scully and fox Mulder, and that is a hard that is a hard thing to tread they're all right dana putting fox down every like really sort of you know she she always liked to kind of banter the fox quite a lot and it was it was really really nice relationship they had um and uh and eventually you know and fox always liked to get the last word and it was just, you had that really really good relationship and and because they built that over seven seasons you just had that kind of really good connection with those two and then you kind of introduce these two new people on it's like I think that's probably why it didn't really warm to fans and, and it wasn't very well received. But had they been introduced oh. earlier as part of a, a, like an ensemble cast, then I think maybe people would have liked it. But I think it would have been good to introduce them as trainees under their wing or yeah. something like that much early on. But yeah. I do think one thing I loved about the dynamic between Dana and Fox was that Scully even though she was in some respects more intelligent, you know, she was science and she was very much earth-based as opposed to the airy fairy Fox Mulder from the point of view of an outsider. Scully never ever put him down or was negative to him about his beliefs, just in the same way that Mulder never ever said to her, you know, you're religious. That's wrong. She, he, they, they respected each other. Yeah completely 100 percent, and that is why this relationship works dana's not going you're a man you know nothing do you know what i mean (laughs) 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 they they both understand each other and they both respect each other's boundaries as well until later on in the series but you know hey when you have an alien baby with each other what's (laughs) 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 Um, uh, guy the top episode the the best one has to be the season two finale anasazi where he goes out and he finds the box car with the alien in it, it buried in the desert. The whole build up to that cliffhanger. Yeah. Where, and then what. where he, he chuck the evil cigarette smoking man chucks in the firebomb thing, burning box car, molder trapped inside. Wow, what a cliffhanger. Yeah. When it aired on TV, um you you were like, No. Was I, was I down when that aired? Was I, I down when that I think you? When I first saw it, it was on the VHS, and it was that episode oh, with the next no. two episodes, because the season two opener, sorry, the season three opener was a two-parter. So you had the three episodes on it, and it was just, I rented it from the local video shop with a portion of chips and the chippy, sat down and just enjoyed the entire thing. 
do you guys um and i'm not changing the subject but i am slightly do you guys ever watch the deep space nine episode trials and tribulations yeah at the end of that episode the department of temporal investigations comes Mm -hmm. to see cisco well the two agents that come to see him are Mulder and scully except they've had their names the letters in the names changed around Oh, one, I didn't do that. one, yeah, one agent is called Agent <laughs> Dolmer, and the other agent is called Agent Luxly. Oh wow! Yeah, it's, obviously it's, like the X Files. Yeah, it's it's Mulder and Scully. If you if you just rearrange the letters, oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, oh. I, I'm also sure that there's plenty of X Files references in things like The Family Guy, and so oh, yeah, without yeah. doubt, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, overall, I would say it's a fantastic show. I love the whole thing. Even the reboot guy. You don't like the reboot as much. No, I didn't. Well, it's lost a lot of its shine. And I think it was a shame that they didn't take the opportunity to do one season with Mulder and Scully with a few underlings, trainees, Mm. so that they then had the possibility to spin off into following the trainees. Uh, They decided to keep Mulder and Scully. And I think that then shoehorned in the fact that they couldn't go much further without paying them an astronomical amount of money. Um, plus, I'm no offence to Gillian Anderson, I don't think the wig was that great in the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> right, so now it's up to us to decide what we're going to do next week. Uh, Guy, I think as you've chosen the TV show this week, do you want to choose a film for next week? Um yeah, actually, um, something's reminded me of, of, a, of a film a while back. So I'd like to do um, Starship Troopers as the film. Ooh. I haven't seen that for a long time. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, actually, as um, I think it's your turn to do the, the TV series. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, let's do Farscape. You've seen it, haven't you? Oh, class. Yeah, brilliant. I love Farscape. That's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Australian science fiction, I remember. Yeah, it's also got um, Ben Broder and Claudia Blackin, who are just legendary, and they work yeah. so well together. So. so that's it for another episode of the 47th Hour. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow the podcast, and you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok at 47 Hour. Thanks for listening.